All right, let's uh, let's pray in preparation for the uh, for the message this morning. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us. Uh, be with me, Lord. Um, help me to be faithful to the Scriptures. Help me to to um, unpack the treasures that are in your Word, Lord, and and bring them out, Lord, for for folks to celebrate. And I I pray that you would give me uh, give me wisdom and give me grace to to be to be faithful. Um, Help me to um, step beyond the things that get in the way and and the things that I worry about, and just focus on what what's important in your in your in your word, Lord. I pray that you be with the people who are here today, um, that you would touch their hearts and open them up and help them to know you, um, help them to walk with you, help them to encounter you in in the living word, you know, that's in your scriptures. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, um, I uh, I was a vegetarian until we moved to Big Sandy. Um, and, and then it was, uh, something that had to go away because you can't live in, in Montana and be a vegetarian. Um, it's, it's actually in the state charter. Uh, and, and, um, one of the things that I, I took up at that point, I, I started, uh, grilling because I, I like barbecue, right? And, and, uh, that's, I think where the cook-off came from. And, um, one of the things that, that, um, I, I took on, and I'm sharing this because I, Abby's been bouncing around in my head today, and I figured I'd share this story. Um, I, I took on, like, learning to cook ribs. Anybody had ribs at my house yet? They're pretty all right. Um, I, I spent about a year practicing and, and trying and different ways to, to cook and different amounts of time to smoke and different temperatures. And there's this whole trick to it where you've got to get it to the right temperature that you can cut it, like, without having to fall apart. You know what I'm saying? But then when you eat it, it falls apart. It's, it's this magic trick. Um, and and um, I have a photo. I have a collection of photos from a few years ago. And Michael's in them. And um, uh, someone else, I can't remember his name right now, but he was a college kid who came to church here for a while. And, uh, um, and Abby. And they're all sitting around, like, taste testing for me. And Abby is about two at the time. And I've got all these pictures of Abby the first time she's eating a rib. And she, I mean, she could have, like, she could have been a dog at that point, the way she gnawed on that thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it was, it was so good that she just kept coming, and I say that with no degree of humility. That is straight up not me being humble, um, <laughs> uh, if I do say so myself. Um, but it, she enjoyed it so much, how's that, that she gnawed on the bone, and she wanted to get every little bit of, of meat off of it she could. And I think she ate, like, one but she, you know, had that thing in her hand forever, just, you know, chewing and, and gnawing and eating. And, and that's kind of where I'm at, like, as we're kind of working through Second uh, John. Um, I have, I've preached through the Gospel of John before, and then um, after that we did First John, and now we're doing Second John, which is my whole life, John, Second John and Third John have been these books that you just sort of read quickly and get past. You know what I'm talking about? They're like a page. Hey. What did I do? Oh, I put the microphone stand in the way, didn't I? Thank you, honey. Um, so now, like, as I'm working through these smaller letters, suddenly reading them instead of just sort of running by them and digging into them, I'm discovering that, that I'm a little like Abby with a bone, right? Like, there is so much good stuff in these tiny little letters, um, and that so much good stuff is actually... Like, 
like assumed by John because John is like knows these people he's writing to really well and he knows that they've read his gospel and they he knows they've read the first letter and so like all of John's stuff is like built into it does that make sense um it's like somebody trying to jump into the empire strikes back and enjoy it without having watched star wars if you don't read them together does that make sense i worked a star wars metaphor in Analogy? That'd be an analogy. Um, <laughs> anyway, so like as we're working on this, Jess is teasing me this morning. She said, man, you, you're taking a tour through the entire John collection. And I am because there is so much cool stuff in this. And, and we're going to kind of pick at it and try and like find the, the depth of it. Um, it would be hard. It'd be hard to cover everything. I'm going to do my best. All right. So like, like Abby with a bone, we're going to work on this. We're doing four to six. It is three verses. Second John is like one chapter, right? It's 11 or 12 verses. Um, we're going to finish it up next week, probably. Um, and and then, uh, then we'll do third John. Uh, but so this is a letter. It is one of the shortest books in the Bible. It is um, actually the shortest letter. And John, we talked about this last week. John's major emphasis is two things, right? Truth and love, right? We talked about knees. If one knee goes out, you tend to tip over. Um, and the idea we talked about last week is that in following Jesus, truth and love, you've got to have them both. If you falter in one or if one is not like set properly, you tend to tip over into the other. And it tends to throw everything off. You all following? Um, an example of this, and I was thinking about this this morning. There's a great line, and I, I should have hunted it down so I could actually read it to you. But Jesus is talking to a group of people, and he says, Hey, you see what the Pharisees do, and they follow the law so carefully, and it'd be a good thing to do that too, but you need to love God too, basically. Like, you need to pay attention to God's justice and God's mercy and God's love. Like, you need to pay attention to this stuff, not just the law. Like, you have to have both, right? Like, he says, It's good that they got the law, but it's not good that they fail like in the heart issues, in the, in the like heart of what it means to be like a follower of Yahweh, like, like one of God's people. And so um, truth and love are the main themes here. Um, it's going to come back over and over again in this book. Um, and, and in a cool way, it took me a long time to figure it out and understand it in this chapter, but like, or in this section. Um, but we'll talk about it here in a second. Just truth and love. Be aware. Truth and love. Um, the situation. So John is writing. This is a church that is split previously. They had a big, nasty, ugly split. And John's first letter is all about that split and all about the inner conflict and all about the hurt that these people were experiencing and the anger that was there and the everything, all of the junk. And John addresses it. And like in that's the first letter. You get into the second letter and John begins to address a group of false teachers who are traveling around. They're like... Um, like they would come into a community, stay with somebody, and get paid to preach for a week, right, and then go somewhere else. Um, and these guys were preaching Jesus, but they weren't preaching like they were preaching Jesus glued together with Roman mystery religions, right, and, and taking Jesus and turning him into something he wasn't. Specifically, that he was never like, like born as a man, like that there was no human part of him, that he was instead like spiritual and part of this crazy Roman, like I, it, it's called Gnosticism, I'd have to... It's a long explanation. It's kind of nutty. Um, but, like, John is coming along and saying, hey, um, you know, these guys are coming, 
And as you deal with them, truth and love, like these are the things you got to worry about, right? And that's the context. Um, so now he's writing, and he's the first half of this, the first three verses, all about how great of a job these guys are doing. And it, I mean, when you write a letter, I don't know, I don't write a lot of letters, um, but when you do write a letter, a lot of times, even if you get something critical or difficult to say, it's not unusual to start with positive stuff, right? Um, it's not unusual to start with, hey, you guys are doing a good job. And, and there's a lot of reassurance and a lot of, hey, you guys have the truth nailed down and you're sticking to the faith and you're, you're loving each other. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. And the first three verses like are all about that. And now we're going to get into the beginning of the meat of the matter. Um, because John is going to start laying the theological groundwork, right? Like if you're going to build a building, you have to have a good foundation. I assume I'm not a builder. Um, but, like, like you have to have this solid foundation. This is where John is going, and he does it so quick. And the reason he does it so quick is everybody else knows the context, right? These are people that he's taught and people that he's, um, like, like, spent time with and lived with and everything else. Um, and so, like, the context makes it so much more meaningful. It's a little like, I think if you sat and listened into a conversation between my wife and I, um, and we would say things and laugh, and you guys would be like, well, why are you even laughing at that? That's silly. Some of you all understand where I'm going with this, right? Because we have all of these years of conversations that have turned into this, right, where we have this, like, highly contextual relationship that's based on everything else. And so, you know, she, she knows what I think about things, and I have jokes that I say that pretty much are only funny to her, and they're probably not that funny to her. Um, but, like, because there's so much background there. And so in this book, there's a whole lot of, a lot of background. Um, so the first verse, we're going to do this little bit by little bit, and we're going to try and dig in, and we're going to try and get all the meat off the bones here. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. Now, um, real quick, actually, I'm going to come back here just real quick. Uh, in Third John, he says something very similar. He actually says, For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear, my, hear that my children are walking in the truth. When he says this... Um, what he's talking about, he's addressing a church, right? We talked about this last week, that this is written to a church. It sounds like it's written to a person, but he's using sort of a great analogy, like of a mother and her children, right? The mother being the church, the children being the people. And um, so when he says, some of your children are walking in the truth, what he's referring to, some folks will read this, and he's like, oh, well, John knows that some people are, but some people stopped walking in the truth. That's not what he's saying. John is saying, I ran into some folks from your church, and let me tell you, they have got it going on. They are nailed down in this area, right? Um, um, think of an example of this. I, uh, there was a church in, in Indiana in the community where I, I worked in Elkhart, and uh, the, the folks, everybody I ever encountered who went there, they were just nice, and they were very loving, and they went out of their way to do stuff for you. And they, they put a lot of effort into, like, living out their faith, like, in really concrete and awesome ways, right? That, that's kind of what John is saying here. I've encountered some of your folks, and, man, I am overjoyed to know that they are, like, like walking in the truth. They've got, it, they've got it going on. They know you. They know God. They walk with him. Now, we're going to – did I actually – yeah, now I'm jumping back. Um, 
great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. Now, that phrase, walking in the truth, right? We talked about this briefly last week. We're going to talk about it again this week. For John, what this is about, right? This is about like, like living life in sort of this perfect way, like in harmony with what God is calling us to do. I, uh, I can't dance. Um, and, and because of that, I, like, it has a lot to do with the fact that I have no rhythm, right? I can't clap in time with music either. Um, and, and it's all like this great big disability I have. Um, and, and, um, I, I'm using this as an analogy because like, like, um, what John is talking about with walking in the truth is almost like dancing, right? Where you've got the rhythm down and you've got the movement down and you've got the, the soul of it down and it's all sort of working together in like this perfect gel. So when he says walking in the truth, what he's talking about is he's talking about like that they have learned the teachings of Jesus. They know like what the Father has commanded us to do and we're going to talk a lot about that in a second. Um, like the command that the Father gave us. And so like they're living that out perfectly and they've got it They've got it perfectly synchronized, and they're doing it exactly right. Okay? I, uh, I've met folks along the way who are all about love and understand, like, Jesus' love and emanate it. But they, they like, on the truth side, they, they say, well, that doesn't matter because I'm so all about loving people the way Jesus did. Let's forget about the serious stuff. Like, let's worry about love. And that's not right, right? Like, it's not because, like, either... You deal with Jesus in truth and love, or you're trying to stand on one leg, um, which doesn't work very well, especially if you have really bad balance like me. Um, the other side of that is like the Pharisees, right? All about the truth, all about the law, all about this concrete theology stuff. And I'm not saying theology is bad. Actually, I really like theology. I think it's important to know and understand. But like what John is saying about walking in the truth is walking in a real knowledge of who Jesus is and what he taught and how he called us to live and the example he set, right, both in love and in truth, um, all of it matters. And it's this synchronized, like, perfect version that works. If I uh, sang along with Brooke, if I had stood up here with a microphone and sang along with Brooke, you would have noticed several things, right? You would have noticed that I, I don't sing in key. You would have noticed that I don't sing in time. You would have noticed that I don't. In fact, I stood next to Jess and sang, and she, she's like, you're ruining this song for me. I think I made an off-color, or not an off-color. I made a joke about one of the songs, too, and that was respectful and reverent. But, but she made me move um, because, like, I can't sing next to you, Eric. Like, you always throw me off. Um, these guys are doing it exactly right, and their lives are beautiful music in the world around them because they have nailed doing what the Father commands. Now, what does that mean? Well, we're going to jump back to First John, and oh my gosh, my eyes are just not quite good enough to, let me see if I can read on my notes. Um, we know, this is First John 2, so we're jumping back to the previous letter. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if a person obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. Do you see the, see the synchronicity there? See the synchronizing? If we obey, right, because there's the command part, the truth part, then the love of God is made complete in them. And so then there's this love part where both have to be present or there's a falsehood playing out. You can't say, I am a follower of Jesus, but I ignore his commands um, because it's just not true, right? 
You may not follow it perfectly because we're sinful, right? And we stumble and we falter. I mean, I'm, I'm the king of this, right? Like, I, I'm not saying, you know, hey, if you're not perfect, you're going to hell. Like, what I'm saying is, like, like we are called to pursue this life. It is a, it, it is a serious big deal. It's bigger than just showing up on Sunday. It is becoming a new person in Christ, like becoming Christ-like. Um, anyway, so I come back to this. Oh, gosh, man. And I left my glasses on my desk. Um, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know. Um, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. This is the command he's talking about, right? Like live, walking in the truth, like as God commanded. Um, this old command is the message that you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and true light is already shining. Now, what he's talking about here is this this um, old command and then the new command. The new command is all about loving, right? And that's actually going to be in the next um, slide here. Um, but what he's working on here, what he's digging out, what he's putting in front of folks is this idea that um, you got to do both, right? you got to walk in it, you got to love you got to walk in it, you got to love. If you walk in it and you don't love, you don't have it, right? I can do all the motions right, but if I'm not in rhythm, I'm not dancing properly, right? I can dance in rhythm, but if I look stupid doing it, I might be doing it wrong. Everybody with me? Um, walking in Christ means doing all of this stuff together in harmony. Loving folks, compassion, peace with people, like charity, the whole nine yards, all of it, but also having like sort of this heart connection happening. Um, Jesus replied, we're going to jump back a little further. This is in the Gospels. Um, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. We're going to hit pause there. That's something we don't really hear about very often, right? There's one of those verses that gets tucked back. If you love Jesus, if you are like Jesus' follower, that means you, you figure out what he taught, you know it, and you obey it. Right. And it's not a pick and choose because it's so easy to pick and choose, isn't it? I'm going to love everybody but that guy or those people or the guy who said this to me or the guy who did this to me. Um, I'm going to obey God in like pursuing purity in my life, except when it relates to my Internet visits or except when it relates to this relationship or except when it relates to my thought life, because that doesn't count anyway. Like. Jesus is talking about obeying teaching in all areas, um, becoming this new man and this new woman um, according to his teachings. My father will love them, meaning like we obey his teachings, we become his people. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home in them. This was in last week's sermon. Some of you all might recognize it. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. Now, a quick disclaimer. We will not do it perfectly. Right. If you manage to do it perfectly, um, you're better than pretty much every other person who's ever been alive or you're lying to yourself. Got it? (laughs) Like it's one or the other. And I bet I know which one it is. Um, Like because in reality, we're in like we're we're, we have sin in us. Like sin is a part of who we are. Um, Sin is something that sort of like seeps into every part of us. And it's the thing that like in the moment you do the wrong thing. Anybody ever say something to your, like, spouse or parents or siblings or 
whatever, or, you know, someone you work with that just in the moment, this thing jumps out of your mouth and like, you're thinking, why am I saying this? This is horrible. Or, you know, like why on earth? And you just keep going. Is that just me? Seriously? (laughs) Um, But the reality is that like, because of sin, we're going to stumble. And because of that, like, like God knows that we can't be perfect. And so he sends his son and Jesus, like his son, like he, he lives this perfect life for us because we can't. And then he dies and takes punishment for every wrong thing we ever did. Right. And, and we're forgiven because he was perfect because he died for us because he is like, like, because he's, he's that awesome. Um, and so, like, like this, this gift that we get in Christ is forgiveness. And so we can strive to obey, and we can strive to be new people. This is Romans 7 and 8, by the way, if you want to read it, like, in much better words than I'm using. Um, we can strive towards these things, but obey, like, like, drive in that direction, but we'll never do it perfectly. But what Christ is talking about is becoming the kind of people where we love that, Right? I, I go through fits and starts where I go to the gym every day and where I eat really healthy and I'm in that spot right now. I get up early and I go to the gym every morning at, you know, like I get up at 4 or 4.30 and go to the gym every morning and I weigh all my food right now. And there's a part of me that thinks I'm going to do this for a little while and, and then I'm going to quit because I love the idea of being healthy and I love the idea of losing weight and I love the idea of being fit, but I also really love sleeping in and I really love Doritos and I really love tacos and I really love all of these other things that are not what I'm trying to do here, right? And there'll forever be a conflict back and forth. But when we stumble and fall, when we eat that quart of ice cream, which I have not done, um, we return to it, right? And we step up and we're, you know, thankful that God forgives and we drive on and we continue to work. Um, my father will love them and we will come and make a home in them. By the way, the awesome thing about that is that God takes up residence in us. So we're never alone. He's always with us and he helps us do better. Um, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. Now that's kind of seems like a throwaway part, but it's a big deal because what John said in the previous verse is... The fa- that the Father gave us, right? This is the command the Father gave us. And the command the Father gave us was, like, obey my son, like, you know, you know be this person. Like, like um, actually, at the baptism, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, do whatever he tells you to do, right? That's right there. Like, this idea, we're to obey Christ's teachings or become those people. Um, now, verse 5, so that was the first verse, verse 4, verse 5. And now, dear lady, now we talked about this last week, dear lady refers to the church itself. I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. This sounds like a repeat, doesn't it? I, I ask that we love one another. Now, I'm not writing a new command, but one we have from the beginning. This could mean a couple of things. It could be a reference back to that obey Jesus, like follow his teachings thing. And I think that's part of it, right? But now the other part of it comes up when he says, I ask that we love one another. If you jump all the way back to the Gospel of John, and I'm not going to quote it here because I think I've quoted it in almost every sermon I've ever preached in this church, um, there's this spot where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Right. And it's like the most humiliating, like worst job ever. And and like you wouldn't even let you know, you wouldn't let most servants do it because it was too humiliating. Um, It was the job for the worst servant. 
And, and so Jesus gets up and does it, and everybody's offended. Oh, my gosh, you can't wash my feet. That's No, that's horrible. Get away. Don't do that. And Jesus says, hey, listen, you know, i got to do this. And when he's done, he says, hey, um, as I've done this, you need to do it for each other, right? Folks are going to know you're my followers because you love each other like this. Now, John says that, hey, love one another. Like, this is the command. The command is obey, but also that we love. And there's two legs here, and it's easy to miss one and catch the other. I've met so many people who are so gung-ho about obeying Jesus' teachings, but they are graceless when it comes to everything else. Anybody ever meet someone like that? You just want to stay as far away from them as possible? But... The like one of the big cancers in the church right now is the other side of that, right? Um, oh, we're going to love people just like Jesus did. And, you know, pretty much if you want to keep doing whatever it is you're doing, that's okay. But that's not. Like, we, we have to do both. You get what I'm saying? Like, we can't throw away the rest of the scriptures in the name of love, but we can't stand on the rest of the scriptures without love. We have to do them both. Either you're sacrificing of yourself, you're serving, you're obeying, you're remaining holy, you're becoming this person that God called you to be, and you're loving, or you're missing the boat. Because um, it's got to be both, both legs. Uh, this is First John, we're jumping back, and this is me picking the meat off the bones. Just imagine Abby with a rib. Um, and this is his command. This is John writing, he's talking about Jesus, uh, or the Father, excuse me. Um, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. That's two things, right? Um, love and obey. Love and obey, or obey and love in this case. Obey and love, obey and love. Like, know Jesus, uh, believe in it. By the way, um, it's one thing to say you believe in something, because I can say anything, right? Um, I, I read, gosh, and I wrote it down, and I'm not sure where my quote is. Let's see if I can find it. Um, is it on my first page? Aha, what we believe is what we live. Everything else is just religious talk. Um, it's the truth of it, right? Like if I say Jesus calls me to be like him, and then I live in a way that isn't Christ-like, I'm, I'm just talking, right? A lot of people talk. Um, I love that about uh, when I worked in, in uh, recovery, like in, in uh, recovery services, like you'd meet these folks who were, were alcoholics and were really good at talking, and what they said and what they did didn't match at all, right? Like, like oh, you're saying this is what you want. I, my favorite line I ever heard was, oh, I would die for my parents. I love them so much I would die for them. And I always ask the same thing. Like your parents love the fact that you're locked up. Your parents love the fact that you rob people. Your parents love the fact that you rob them. Your parents love the fact that you get high all the time. Your parents love the fact that you mistreat people. The parents love the fact, well, no, they hate all that. But you love them so much you die for them, you won't even live for them. What are you talking about? It's big talk. It's nothing. You say, I love Jesus with all my heart, but I will not serve the poor. Guess what? You love something, but it probably isn't like the Jesus that shows up in the Gospels. Because the Jesus that shows up in the Gospels, I cannot believe that just happened. Um, the Jesus that shows up in the Gospels um, is a guy who lived amongst the poor. He lived amongst, like, the sinners and, and the worst of the worst. He's a guy who didn't shy away from unclean people. Like, Jesus, in fact, actually, to take it a step further, he's a guy who stepped out of heaven into the dirt of our earth and lived here for us, right? Like, so either, you know, you've got to be able to do both, um, 
because they're both meaningful and they're both important. I might be beating this one to death, but I'm all about this. Like this is this is the meat on the bones. It's the good stuff. Um, this is how we know what love is. Now watch this. This is First John coming back to this because he said love, 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 and um, love is this great feeling, right? Love is this great feeling that all the pop singers have nailed down. Love is I don't even know who's popular now. Well. <laughs> I don't know, uh, Jeremy, who do you listen to? Is it Justin Bieber? Like, he sings about love all the time, right? Like, it, <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, we, we've watered down this word love so it doesn't even mean what it means anymore, okay? Like, like, there's this joke about Christian music that if you take Jesus out and put baby, you'd have a number one hit. Um, <laughs> the, the, the reality is that, like, we sometimes lose sight of what he's talking about. Love is not a feeling. It is not, I feel really strongly towards Jesus. I feel really strongly toward my neighbor. I feel really strongly toward these guys. What he says, this is John here, okay? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. Um, That's a hard verse, isn't it? Like, Jesus expresses his love for us, not by saying, I feel really strongly for you guys. He expresses his love for us by being, like, nailed to a cross and bleeding to death and, and dying and being punished, like, cast out of God's presence on your behalf. Like, that is a solid action, right? Like, that is as big an action as you're going to pick out. Um, that is a serious love thing. Um, John and James and Paul and pretty much every one of the biblical writers and Jesus himself talks about love being this concrete action-oriented thing. Um, James, you know, says, oh, look, if you see your brother without a coat or anything to wear and you say, hey, stay warm and then keep on walking or I'll pray for you and keep on walking, guess what? You're missing the boat. How does this play out? Well, I... uh, this plays out. Um, this plays out according to the scriptures, like widows and orphans, right? Take care of widows and orphans, people who can't pay you back. This plays out when we show up to worship with the, the folks at the nursing home and visit and have lunch occasionally. Actually, I can't tell you how many people I've seen at the nursing home eating, eating a meal or just sitting and talking to Francis recently because we all love Francis, right? Like, like loving folks who can't pay you back is showing up at the nursing home and spending time with folks there. It's showing up and being Jesus to those folks, right? It's showing up to, it's one thing like youth pastors, you can always tell a good youth pastor is somebody who sits down and gets involved in the lives of the the kids that they're working with and knows what their hopes are, knows what their hurts are, knows where they're at spiritually, know what's going on with their family and their schoolwork and everything else. They know that stuff because they care. A bad youth minister shows up and acts cool, right? I was a bad youth minister forever. I naturally act cool. Um, like, but that's the difference. The love is showing up and drywalling on a day you just don't want to do it. Isn't it true? I've never drywalled. I've heard it's not fun. I got no amens for that. <laughs> Come on, Ross. Um, 
Drywalling is showing up and I mean, love is showing up in drywalling like because this is part of the family of God getting together and sacrificing and giving and doing, right? This is um, taking the time to find folks that nobody associates with and sharing the love of Jesus with them, right? That's, by the way, why we started our service this way. Like, because we tend to clump into our own. I just like the people like me who think like me and believe like me and, you know, vote like me and, and dress like me and have the same kind of... It, it's, not, it's not right, right? Like, real love is sacrificial. Real love is painful sometimes. Real love is giving, and it's not selfish. It is selfless, and that's what Jesus demonstrates for us. Um, and that's what, honestly, James says, right? Right? Um, Religion that is acceptable to God visits widows and orphans, takes care of the poor. Um, my, I'm going to stop. I don't usually do it at this point. Like my challenge for you in this sermon over and over again, like I think we are really good at truth, right? Love is the hardest thing for people to nail down. It just is. Now, in our culture, truth is also kind of going away, and so that's a whole other conversation. But, like, you've got to do both. You've got to care for folks who can't care for themselves. You've got to give people a hand up, like, this is what God is calling us to do. Um, verse 6, last verse in the sermon, actually last slide in the sermon, and so I'm almost done. Um, and, this is, and this is love, right? John finishing up his point, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment. Just as you have heard from the beginning, so you should walk in it. Now, I, I have ESV at the bottom because I did something I don't ever do. I changed translations for the last slide, right? The Bible was written, this was written in Aramaic, or not Aramaic, Greek, excuse me. And, and Greek is sometimes really hard. And a lot of Bibles translate, walk in love. Um, and they do that because it, there's a lot of arguments for it, but it's the word used in the ESV, the word used in the original was it. Walk in it, right? Um, and, and why am I making a big deal out of this, right? Um, I'll tell you in a second. Let me, I got ahead of myself. And this is love that we walk according to his commands. This is the commandment that you have heard from the beginning. So like what Jesus taught us, how Jesus lived, what Jesus was as like an example for us beyond just being our savior, also being our example is what we're to walk in. It's how we're to live. It's supposed to be a part of everything that we do. Um, even with folks that we like despise, we have to figure out how to love them. Folks that we're jealous of, we have to figure out how to like let that go and love them. Folks that we resent or, or, you know, whatever, like all of this stuff, like, like love is walking according to Christ's commands and putting that love in the proper context, living that love in a place and time and way that is how God designed us to be like doing the dance that is life, honestly. Um, and doing it in harmony with what God calls us to do, um, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Now, love is oftentimes translated there because love is in the previous sentence, and he's saying, like a lot of translators will say, obviously it refers to love, right? Because love is in the previous thing. But if it means that, we're missing a huge chunk of what John is doing because John is saying, walk in both, right? Know the truth, study the word, like grow close to God, pray like, like, devote yourself to the, to the law. Like, know these things down. Make them a part of your life. But you have to love at the same time. You have to love folks that are unlovable. You have to love folks that are different from you, which is hard, isn't it? I mean, it is. It is really hard. Um, you have to love folks that, that, 
that have nothing to offer you. Sometimes you have to love folks that are mean and horrible, right? I, uh, one of the best things I ever did as a minister, and this is not me, this is all the Holy Spirit. So I, there was this guy I knew who, like, man, he was in our treatment center. He was, he was insane. They were actually ramping him up to send him to a state hospital. He'd been there for years, and he made no progress. And one day... Like, I, I put all this effort into building a relationship with this guy, and I prayed for him every day. And, like, one day he punched me in the face. <laughs> it just caught me side of the head. It was, it was a great punch. In fact, I think in my life is the only time I've ever been punched solidly and just, like, like he, he stunned me completely. And I, it took me a minute to figure out what happened. Like, it was, it was good. Um, and I came back to him. I went for a walk, and I breathed, and I prayed, and I came back to him. And I said, you know what? I love you. If Getting punched is part of being like a guy who loves you and takes care of you. Like, that's okay. Warn me next time. Because I got no warning. It just came out of the blue. That's my excuse. Um, (laughs) um, But that guy, in the months that followed, that conversation changed a huge part of who he was. Not because I said the right thing, but because Jesus stepped through me and said, hey, I love you. Right? Because you guys are the people who talk for Jesus. You guys are the hands of Jesus. You guys are the voice of Jesus. You guys are everything. Like, you're his wallet, believe it or not. You're his, and I'm not saying give us money. I'm saying, like, love people with everything that you are. It's what we're called to be. You are everything that Jesus is um, in this world. You are his representative. And so this guy, I watched him, like, suddenly warm up to who Jesus is. And he told me, like, oh, I started praying then because I knew I had to. It's what I had to do, like, like. It was hard, but I started doing this. And eventually, he became this very different person. On the other end, he was just this night and day kind of person, right? And it was it was a product of this, like, love coming out, which isn't me. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm horrible. Um, but it's obedience and love that makes that kind of thing happen. What we're called to do is be that. Um, I, I read a great quote, and I would be hor- I would be unhappy if I missed it. Truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. Um, my question for you is, which way do you lean? Oh. That's where we're supposed to lean, which is not leaning at all. It's standing firm on both sides. Thank you very much. That was perfectly timed. You're awesome, Mike. Um, and if you say, well, I stand on both really well, um, dig in and ask yourself, really. And if you... If you find that difficult, ask somebody close to you because sometimes those people are the only people who will tell you the truth, right? Um, I'm not t- preaching at anyone in particular. This is the message that came to me as I wrote this text. Um, my challenge for you again and again is, are you walking in the truth? Are you walking in love? Are you doing both? Or are you leaning? Um, that is me picking the meat off the bones of this text. Let's uh, pray and I will let you all, let you all be. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for John, um, um, for the Apostle John. I thank you for, for just the words you put in him. I thank you for the depth, the, the amazing just, just heaviness that you put in his, word, in his words. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to be people who walk in truth and in love. Lord God, and I thank you that you're a God that doesn't, that doesn't emphasize one over the other, Lord. I thank you that you're a God who loves us and, and gives us truth. It gives us a firm ground to stand on and a guideline for how to live, but also, Lord, that you love us and show us how to love the folks around us. Thank you so, so much for that, and I pray that on the folks who are here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Five minutes early.